Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education and today I'll be in conversation with Erica Dean in the USA. Erica is a kindergarten teacher, hands-on learning advocate, education influencer and passionate about mathematics. Erica founded at ericadean315 on Instagram. As well as teaching, she develops hands-on teaching resources specialising in maths, science and a little bit of literacy, making it fun, engaging for kindergarten students. Erica has a Teachers Pay Teachers account with amazing resources that you can have a look at and they're being updated all the time. Today we are chatting with Erica about being creative in the classroom, teaching, school readiness and so much more. I'm really excited. Welcome Erica. Can I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners today and how you became passionate about mathematics, a kindergarten teacher and an education influencer? I started my education journey in early childhood, and then I got endorsed in elementary. When I was in grad school, I started doing my elementary mathematics and instructional leadership. And through that, I was just given the opportunity to work with amazing educators, and they opened my eyes to see how mathematics grows in children, how it starts at such a young age. And it's it was my privilege to be able to have students in my classroom have the opportunity to learn mathematics through hands-on opportunities. So through my um, Erica Dean Instagram, I just like to highlight kind of snippets of how you can have early childhood students working with. Erica, look, I, we love, at EDX Education, we absolutely love your you're just your different ideas and the resources that you're creating. Um, I actually used one of the candy corn. We don't call it can the candy corn here in the UK, but I used it with my children. So they thought that was actually very good. But they did end up eating more than they probably were playing with. So they thought it was kind of like number bonds and they get to eat once they um, do the first to 10 or anything like that. So that was quite... Fun. But look, how do you stay inspired to do all of these different activities and resources? Reasoning to say they were taking away. <laughs> um, a lot of the time, I'll just be kind of thinking about what seasons are coming up and how to engage students. And I look at their interest levels. Um, and then my niece and nephews are almost like my guinea pigs, too. When I talk with them, I ask them what they like to do. And I'll just try out activities with them. And I see kind of what they gravitate towards. They like using the balance. So we would think about, okay, it's around Halloween, the exactly what we were talking about. The candy corn would be fun or kind of getting into fall with collecting acorns outside. What can we do with those types of things? We can count them, but we can do more than that. We can sort them and talk about attributes. Um, they're really curious too about kind of, um, taking taking away but then what that does with their sets and arrangements and labeling those types of things <laughs> so so when we take away things they kind of are like well that's mine <laughs> and we go back to oh well what does that mean if we're taking away or adding to um and kind of using a lot of mathematical language so really taking their interest levels and seeing what kind of sparks that natural curiosity in them Erica, it's so lovely to hear that your niece and nephew are your guinea pigs. I think that's a wonderful way to learn, um, especially for them as well. So they've got someone engaging and making it hands-on learning. But look, how, do you how did you become so passionate about maths and also making it engaging and hands-on learning? Sure. So I was fortunate enough when I started my teaching career to be on a team with two veteran teachers. One 
very strongly rooted in early childhood and what's developmentally appropriate for students. And then the other was just very interested in mathematics and how the progression of their understanding works. So kind of taking both of those brains and melding them and observing and seeing how that works for kids. So just really at the beginning of the year, introducing students to the tools of the classroom and expectations. And then through that, students know where tools are, how to use them. And little by little, as we go through, we would call them workshops. It's when the students go independently or like with partners to collaborate on activities. Um, they kind of start taking on the responsibility of selecting tools. So why are you picking those tools? What kind of reason and rationale do you have? Just to deepen that understanding of what they're doing, why they're doing it. And I really found that when students are able to access materials and tools in the classroom, they, they're more creative in what they're picking and they're more thoughtful of why they're picking it. And then also with observing those two teachers, seeing how hands-on they were in the classroom, I just noticed how much they were able to get done in a setting and then also how little beha behavior problems they had because students were engaged in what they were doing. They were excited about math and just kind of taking those, bringing those into my classroom and then adding those twists of kind of what we talked about earlier to like the seasonal themes going on their interest levels. So combining all those things really made for a solid math block for us. Erica, when you talk about tools, do you mean sort of like manipulatives, like dice or like basic manipulatives or cubes or things like that? Or are you talking more about worksheets and um, different worksheets? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think tools are more, for me, the hands-on manipulatives that they're using for the task they're doing. So exactly what you said. It could be dice, it could be number lines, it could be cubes, rec and recs, anything like those things that kind of help model and represent their thinking or help them solve what they're working on. Oh, what I love about your page, your Instagram page, is that you have the, a lot of these sheets and things like that, but you also use the basic tools and you use them in so many different variety and multiple levels, multiple ages and things like that and ways that you can use it for. I mean, I did one of your activities and I was using the cubes and I was with my 10-year-old, but I was actually allowing my young child also to do a little bit of more of a creative side as well, so which is really good. Uh, it's one of the areas I really love about maths. But it, what do you find in a classroom if you lose a child? It's hard if you lose a child with maths in the early years. Is it hard to get them back on track? Absolutely, I think, and that's kind of what I take pride in in kindergarten is that we're building that solid foundation for them and that understanding of number sense and subitizing and how that can help shape um, essentially their whole mathematical career. So. It's something that when we were doing our um, elementary mathematics endorsement that we talked a lot about the progression of learning and how in kindergarten and even earlier, we're just starting the, uh, to build that foundation for them and how important it is. Absolutely. You, you may have the future economist. You may have the future president. You never know. They may Absolutely. Classroom. And you're teaching them to be creative and look at things, problem solving different ways. Yes. 
Um, listen, we don't have, we don't use um, teachers pay teachers here as much in the UK, but you know, can you let us know about what it is and how, what you're creating for teachers pay teachers is something that we're really interested in. Yes. I loved using teacher pay teachers at the beginning too of my teaching career. Um, it was awesome to supplement any kind of gaps that were missing in the curriculum or, and if you see students that um, have holes in certain areas and you just want to kind of search activities. Um, so on Teacher Pay Teacher, you can log, when you log in, anyone can have an account. It's free to have an account. Um, you just need your email and then create a login. And what's nice about it is you can search kind of categories. Uh, for example, if you were looking for weight or uh, measurement, you could just type that in. And then you can also, on the side, you can, it has um, buttons that you can select that are pre-k kindergarten so it's geared towards the level you're looking for can anyone access this or is it just for teachers yes you can my sister-in-law created an account uh, while she's working virtually so she has one and she logs in if she needs um, a simple activity for the kids but are you creating the resources as well on there is that what you're doing yes so a lot of the times on my instagram feed what you see with the worksheets are or kind of task cards those are things that i've uploaded so you could if you purchase them you can digitally download those from teacher pay teacher oh fantastic so you can actually ask access them all the time which is great yes <laughs> oh that's good so this is quite handy i suppose if you've got multiple ages and learning abilities as well oh absolutely and the filters are really user friendly on there you can find anything you're looking for Obviously, math is your favorite subject, but do you, do you do them for any other subjects like English? Um, I've started to do a little more with literacy-based activities, more um, kind of like read around the room type of things. So the students are up moving. It's just a need that I found for my students that they need to be up moving, but with an activity that they understand what to do and how to do it. And then I've also kind of started doing a few science experiments because my nephew and niece really are interested in liquids right now and how what happens when you put things in vinegar and water and what? sprite and yeah so since they're at home i've been make doing zooms with them and we've been doing experiments so i my sister-in-law saw it and she said you should really upload that i would buy that off teacher pay teacher so i've been uploading those slowly <laughs> Have you been, did you try with your niece and nephew the, um, what is it, the bicarb soda and the white vinegar and the, and it just, it becomes a volcano if you put a little bit of, um, what do you put into it, a bit of food colouring? Yes, so we did that, um, when they came to visit, we did a huge volcano with the, you put the baking soda in and then as, once you add the vinegar and the dye, it, they thought it was the best. <laughs> I think they thought I was a cool aunt that day. <laughs> You definitely got the cool land badge. Well, what's the other one? The other one is the, um, is it Mentos and Cola or Mentos and Fizzy? And you put in like a, what would you call it there? Is it Mentos? Like a, it's like a mint. Yes, you're exactly right. Yes. <laughs> put it into the top of the Cola and then it just goes flying out everywhere is the other one, which is, <laughs> um, that's something that my children love. They love that one. I always do the, um, I, may, I take the toilet rolls, the middle of the toilet roll, and I cut and put faces on it and then do different colours in the bicarb soda and then put the vinegar in and it comes out of their mouth and they think it's really funny. But that's one. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so they can create their own little monsters that, that, you know, have goo that comes out of them. 
which is always fun. I want to ask you some questions about your actual classroom and in implementing these teaching resources in your everyday classroom, especially I'm assuming you've got a lot, you generally have large classrooms to still be creative in all these ideas with a large classroom and multiple abilities. Sure. So a lot of the time we'll start with kind of like a high yield routine. Um, an example that you may have seen on the Instagram could have been like eliminated or something like that. And I find those types of activities because they're more open ended, they allow a lot more access points for students. So even if the different levels are, of course, in the classroom, but even with those levels, students are able to access at their level the activity. So they're engaging, they're conversing with peers, and we have a lot of opportunities for those collaborative conversations. So students can kind of hear those good vocabulary role models, and um, they have those same models when they're out at those workshops that we talked about earlier, and how they're engaging in those types of hands-on activities, and allowing them those tools or manipulatives access really helps them kind of take their learning to the next level on their own if that does that make sense absolutely so it's like it's concrete it makes it concrete and they memorize it and then it comes back to a muscle memory like a brain memory in there or if they're kinesthetic learners it stops them from fidgeting and running around everywhere <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and i find that too sometimes too many tools out at a time can be overwhelming for some learners so having a few out, but they have the opportunity to select more manipulatives too. Um, that seemed to be really helpful and more managing for students that are still kind, kind of needing those specific concrete examples. Um, whereas other students are kind of able to move a little more flexibly with their tools. So if you were to give basic tools that you would always want in your classroom, that you'd always use at a kindergarten level, what would they be? Would they be counters, dice? What would you always- oh, I love that question. I think I would love, yes, some sort of counter. And I like the double-sided counters because I think they can be used so many different ways and they allow the students to see sets and kind of arrangements in different ways and then dice too because we can use those you know for counting weighing you can use those for anything really and then it also goes back to that that subitizing where they're seeing the arrangement on the dice and they maybe aren't they're having that conservation of number they don't ha always have to start at one they know right away if they roll three they kind of know those dots in that arrangement are three right oh excuse me right away so that's always really nice too Oh, that's really good. Now, you're very creative. Looking at your Instagram and talking to you today, you're a very creative person. Why do you believe it's creativity is important for children, especially in a classroom? Uh, I think part of how I get excited about learning and teaching is being creative and being engaging and having lots of opportunities for students. Um, so kind of allowing them that same opportunity is really important too. Um, because on any giving activity or resource, any student can shine. So it's important to give them those, those opportunities and allow them to kind of foster their love and excitement for mathematics. But how do you keep your children creative in a classroom? Allowing them a little more choice provides that creativity. And then also any open-ended activities, we, we allow them kind of to start with an activity, but if they take it on a different path, that's okay, because it's awesome to hear their, their reasoning and why they're doing it and how they're doing it. 
a lot of the times we would start with maybe a simple, I say simple in quotes, a simple roll and record activity. But another student might say, well, Miss Dean, this is how I changed it. And this is how we could play it next time. And then so they're so excited about how they've created their own activity and seeing their, you know, their peers play their game. So then other students kind of want to do that too. And it just is like a little snowball effect. So they're feeding off each other. So innovating from Absolutely. each other, which is lovely. Now, for listeners that don't know, don't really understand what an open-ended activity is, how would you explain it to, in simple terms? Oh, sure. Um, I think when I think of open-ended activity, I think of something that doesn't have an exact start and end point. It's you've kind of explained expectations and rules, and you've given them the activity like components that they need but they can take it to whatever level they need to, or they can keep playing it honestly until the, maybe our math lesson is finished. So it, it's not a me giving them an endpoint. They, they're kind of figuring that out. Um, an example could be the color soup type of activity that's on my Instagram page. So there's so many different cards, but then the last card is make your own soup. So they can, they can build with color cubes, they can do whatever number they want, and it continues over and over again because it's up to them to keep creating that um, colorful soup activity now. And then they're doing some patterning, sorting, counting. There's so many um, number yes. activities that they're putting into that. That's amazing. That's, a, that's fantastic. Um, we always talk about, at ADX, we talk about open-end activities and what we say is for educational uh, manipulatives or toys as people like to call them is that it's an active toy where the child is using their image sparking their imagination and using the toy not the toy playing for the child mm, yes so does that make sense so instead of pushing a button and the toys playing for you you're actually actively playing with the toy and trying to figure out the end process but there's no wrong or right it's up to you and mm -hmm. the imagination which is always good now you've been I suppose you've been teaching kindergarten. It's one of the most important years because you can sort of, I mean, a child will remember. I actually remember my kindergarten teacher. Isn't that terrible? Um, oh, no, I love that. She was, she was, one, of the, she was one of my favourite teachers. She still is. Um, but what I have to say is it's one of the most important things. And what are the key things that you find for school readiness for children? When I see the students at the beginning of the year, I'm always so amazed at <laughs> to where they end the school year to where we, you know, you get a new batch of kiddos at the beginning. So what I love and look forward to is kind of their excitement for school, which is okay if they're a little nervous, but I love that because they, they're kind of prepped and excited, ready to go. Then also kind of that collaborative play type of thing. So they're able to share. Um, they understand that uh, it's okay to kind of make mistakes with your friends and we can work through those things. Then also, we like a lot of the, the students to be able to, when they come into kindergarten, um, to, to be able to recognize their name, to be able to um, start to be able to sing the ABCs, just because that makes it a lot easier to get that one-to-one -one with, you know, recognizing letter and matching it. And then the same thing with number, just kind of building the number language with them. Yeah, it's such so a Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's so, no, it's so important. Number, um, mathematical language, I think, sometimes is one of those things that gets left behind. And it's so important for children to be able to understand and comprehend the language of mathematics. Oh, yes. We, we read this book um, in grad school. It's called High Yield Routines. 
and how it kind of just gives you the idea of how simple, I say simple in quotes again, how simple <laughs> conversations with kids with higher level mathematic language, the impact that that can have on their understanding and their foundation is so significant and how even though they are at such a young age, they can really understand what you're talking about and they can start to kind of use those in their own language too. We work with a man called Dr. Paul Swan, who always talks about the language of mathematics. And he always believes that's one of the areas that's really lacking when it comes to children as they get older and they get the mathematical language problem. So they can take something mm -hmm. away, but then when it gets quite complex in the language, that's where they fall behind. I don't know, because I suppose you're teaching the kindergarten, but as, have you found that as you get older with your teaching friends? Oh, absolutely. Oh, a lot of the conversations with um, kind of cross grade level conversations, that's a lot of what they said is exactly what you were talking about. How when the wording is tweaked or if it gets a little trickier, they kind of want to either give up or they can't reason through to understand what the math problem is asking them. So we kind of took that in and we made sure that in kindergarten, we're not saying everything the same way each time. So it's presented to them in a variety of ways so that they can understand that, oh, even though it's asking me the same thing, essentially, it could be asking me in a different way. And these are some things um, like the vocabulary, uh, structure of things, uh, manipulatives, things like that, that they can be able to take them on and use them differently. Absolutely. I love the things that you've got here with your pattern blocks as well. So you do a lot with um, shapes and activities. I have to ask you, what's your favorite area for early mathematics? What's your favorite thing to teach? I love subitizing. I do. I, I think it was when I read 10 Black Dots by Donald Cruz and we did the activity with how they got to see arrangements. And I just love hearing how kids think. And when you ask them, well, how did you see that or prove it? And hearing, maybe they saw four by seeing two and then three more. And then if another student says, I saw two and two, and then I always love to ask, well, who's right? <laughs> and that <laughs> conversation is so amazing every year. And do you have the same conversation at the start of the year and then at the end of the year too, just to see how they change their, their thinking? I, yeah, I think they know it's coming almost every, I, we subitize <laughs> every day all the time. And their favorite thing is, Miss Dean, are you gonna ask me to prove it? <laughs> 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 that's really good. That's really teaching them to think and problem solve and think outside the box. I mean, that's one of the most important things that um, we could teach a child these days, to be honest. Absolutely. I, and I think part of it was I, before I taught kindergarten, I didn't know what subitizing was. And it was just so fascinating to me uh, that, and, and another thing that all levels can access that activity. It might be a different level of thinking, but everybody can contribute to subitizing. How can people get in touch with you? How can listeners get in touch with you? Or even to view some of the resources, not only on your Instagram page, but access that Teachers Follow Teachers page as well. Sure. So if they go to teacherpayteachers.com and you search teacher authors, it's just my name, Erica Dean. And then probably... My most active is my Instagram, which we kind of talked about, is ericadeen315. And that's nice because you can see kind of little video modelings and you can also see still shots of activities. And then I have just started up my blog. I will say I'm kind of, 
I, hit or miss with that one because it's not as, um, it's time consuming, I guess is the way I'd put it, but that one is ericadeen.wordpress.com. But um, some of my teammates have said they prefer my blog because it goes a little more in depth of explaining activities, where to find them, and it's all just on one spot. So I know they've preferred that. Fantastic. Thank you so much for chatting with us today. You know, it's been really interesting to hear about your teaching journey, your learning opportunities. We love the math ideas and open-ended play. Erica, really appreciate you having a chat with us at EDX Education today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. There are so many relevant topics right now and EDX Education would love to hear from you. So please get in touch and subscribe to our podcast, Education Tips from the Experts with EDX Education, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, TuneIn and so many more channels. My name is Heather Welch from EDX Education. Let's all stay safe.